It's not what you're taught when it comes to advertising and marketing at any stage of your development. I mean, I've got a book at home um, called Predatory Thinking, which is which is uh, sort of prescribed to advertising students in the US when they're doing their, their training. And uh, it's all about how you basically, the predator is the consumer. <laughs> And it's about how you catch, how you catch the predator. How do you keep, like, no, you're the predator, sorry, and the consumer is <laughs> the prey. How do you catch the prey? How do you ensnare them and keep them yeah. giving you their money? Oh, the best way to do that is to make them feel less than because then you're providing the solution and, you know, that never ends. And I'm saying the future is not that. It's the opposite of that. And, I, and I'm really excited that so many businesses are, are kind of cottoning on to that. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of How Not to Run a Business. It's me, your host, Jeremy Jacobs. I hope you're doing very well today and thank you so much for listening in. So this is a really exciting and also challenging conversation I had with a good friend of mine, Sophie, who runs uh, a, a brand and communication agency called The Joyful. And we sat down and had a conversation around failure and success in business, but Sophie has a really interesting and um, inspiring view on the marketing industry to start off with. And also, she's had some real challenging personal experiences around a number of different subjects, which some people might find quite triggering. So I want to start off this conversation by saying that there is a trigger warning for this episode. We do have conversations around suicide, addiction, drug and alcohol abuse, and there is also a fair amount of swearing. So if any of those subjects are triggering for you, or you're dealing with any of those, then you might want to question whether or not it's appropriate for you to listen to this episode. And if you are sensitive to swearing, well, I probably recommend that you don't ever listen to any of my podcasts because we do swear, but there is also quite a few swear words. So if you're listening to this in public, then maybe don't have it on speaker or uh, around people that um, you don't want to hear swear words. So yeah, I'm, this conversation was really, really enlightening. It was very emotional. Um, Sophie's got an amazing story to tell and, and she's an amazingly inspiring person. So I'm not going to say any more than that because I want you to enjoy the conversation. But as always, thank you so much for listening in and sit back, relax and enjoy. everyone and welcome to episode eight of how not to run a business it's me your host jeremy jacobs i'm here with two very special guests one that can talk and one that can't it's my <laughs> dear friend sophie and biff's here as well on her lap <laughs> hi sophie lovely hi. to see you how are you today i'm very well thank you thank you very much for having me this and is my little buddy biff. biff who's sitting on the lap and biff's got a bit of a cough and he's in the studio with us today if you don't know biff biff is my dog uh, Jack Russell Terrier, and Biff has a bit of a cough today. So if you hear a, a violent coughing in the background, there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's just Biff. Um, he's not dying. He's fine. Anyway, <laughs> let's focus. So it's lovely to have you here again. Again. For the third Talking time. about failure. <laughs> After a failure. <laughs> failure to record a podcast episode. So a very short piece of context. This is the third time we've tried recording this episode for various <laughs> different reasons. We won't go into it, but it's lovely to have you here. And actually, no, I will share very briefly on that. I think we recorded the episode when I hadn't launched the podcast and we both agreed that 
we kind of reviewed it and thought, actually, do you know what? Let's focus back in now that we've recorded a few episodes and got a better idea of where the podcast is. And now you're a podcaster. I know. Oh, t- t- double podcaster. Double podcasting all around Ooh. the space. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so we've come back and we're going to do it again. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be releasing this episode uh, very, very soon. So, Sophie, I know you very well. But my listeners may not. So tell us, who are, who are you? Ooh, who am I? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very large question, Existential isn't it? crisis on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> um, who am I? I am Sophie. Um, I am the co-founder and director of The Joyful, which is a brand and marketing agency for purpose-driven businesses. Um, We also are in the process of launching the Joyful Leaders, which is a platform for uh, startups and smaller businesses um, offering absolutely everything to do with communications, sales, brand and marketing support from workshops, one-to-one coaching and development and a community to help those business leaders to grow. Um, I'm super passionate about purpose-driven business and I really believe that we as business leaders have so much power to um, to, to change the world and, and do business better so that we can prioritise people and planet and, um, you know, navigate ourselves out of the mess that business has also created. Yeah, we keep on getting, humans keep on getting ourselves into messes, don't we? And oh, we're so to... good at it. I feel like we're the only species that has evolved to destroy itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit deep for a Wednesday morning. Well, it's um, about yeah. failure. <laughs> <laughs> People have failed. <laughs> so, if you on a more positive note, right? uh, join my <laughs> joyful community. <laughs> uh, so, um, but you've we worked together. You, the joyful came to work um, for us, uh, for me rather, when I had Ray's Bakery, and um, and you and your business partner Alice are. Um, such inspirations and the the the, the business you've created um, being a sort of brand and communication business you'd expect this but like how you communicate and who you are in the world as a business is just so inspiring and joyful unsurprisingly <laughs> apart um, from when I'm talking about the end of day <laughs> <laughs> Doom. She doesn't talk about that in um, your client meetings. So, <laughs> so so you've you've got this business and it's fantastic and. I want to understand a little bit because I know that uh, a, a large proportion of my listeners are startups. And as we both know, being seasoned entrepreneurs and business owners, that running a business is fucking hard. Oh, yeah? my gosh, yes. Like, so hard. I was listening to a podcast earlier to, uh, on the way here, and this guy was like, I'm not going to say who it was because I'm not going to name and shame. Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's not that hard. He said something like, it's not hard. And I was like, you're a, you're a massive liar. Yeah. Like, stop pretending that it's not challenging because... Well, maybe it's not challenging if you're a narcissist. Ooh. Because I think that the reason it's challenging is because you have to confront all of your limiting beliefs. You have to confront all of your um, your the barriers that we create for ourselves in life, you have to really confront those because you are the source of your business. And if you are unable to expand into your fullness, you'll always stand in your way. And that's, for me, being the experience. If you're a narcissist and you believe that you're you're God's gift to business, probably isn't that difficult. Or if you, you know, if you don't operate in the way that we do, which is 
all around like really paying attention to ethical business practice, purpose-driven business, which I know all of your lovely listeners also care about, then yeah, again, it's it's probably not as challenging. But I think what's been most challenging is challenging the status quo and getting out of my own way. Like I've been the problem in so much of this growth story. Yeah, okay. And so what is, so let's talk about that because I, I, I want to understand a bit about your journey from work, from your previous career as an employed person through to entrepreneurship. But let's just take a pause at a moment because I think this is a really interesting point around, you know, I'm, I'm, I've become obsessed with success and failure because I failed last year and everyone's like, no, you didn't fail. I did. I failed. My business failed last year. I've got no problem saying that whatsoever. Um, and when you talk about purpose and businesses having a purpose and up until, well, you know, still is for a lot of businesses, their primary purpose is to make a profit. Particularly large organisations, they exist to please their shareholders mm, and investors. That's their legal obligation. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. But you're talking, we're, we're talking about more than that, about yeah. a purpose. So t- tell me a bit about what that looks like for you. So when I say purpose, and you're absolutely right, a, a purpose just means an intention for doing. And every business's intention for being is to to be a business, which is to make, unless you're a non-profit, it is to make money. Um, I'm talking about a purpose beyond profit. So that doesn't mean not making a profit. That means having a reason for being that is more than just selling a product or service. Um, And that could be absolutely anything. Like you could be, uh, for example, hairdressers whose whose purpose is to make people look and feel fabulous. Um, Or a cleaning service whose purpose is to really streamline the process of, of cleaning and make it a really amazing experience for the person. It doesn't have to be like whole, all-out, game-changing, shaking the world. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point, yeah. Sorry. Um, And, you know, I think it is is really important to say that because I personally have found myself getting so frustrated when I don't feel, you know, when it's such a huge purpose beyond the reach of an individual, I'm now starting to see it more as, and talk about it more as like net positive impact. And by that, I mean... Every single thing we we do, every interaction, every action we make has an impact. And when you add all of those impacts together, what's the net impact of that? What's is it is it negative or is it positive? And for me, looking at the data of where we are right now in the world across a lot of across everything, if we if you use the UN sustainability goals as a, an example, across all of those areas. We're failing and um, we are failing, but even, you know, especially businesses that seem to be succeeding, they're failing the worst because when you look into their chain of production, they are systematically destroying the planet, systematically destroying livelihoods of people who are, you know, we outsource all of our destruction in this country and in the US. Um, to 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 developing the EU as well. Let's go. and the well, EU. Okay, thank you very fair, much. fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, or some of the EU. But yeah, but, I, like, but like just mm. just kind of just to finish with that. Like, so for me, it's like when I think I'm just a person, I'm just a small business. I think okay, well, but there are still ways I can influence. There are still ways that I can make choices that make a positive impact. And all of those 
impacts add up and that's what that's what I mean when I talk about purpose yeah okay and that's very that's very clear you mentioned in your when you were just speaking then you said about business being a business being successful but also failing so let, what do you mean by that and I know that it might seem a little bit pedantic to dig into it but I'm really interested in understanding what people's relationships and we will come back to your journey about entrepreneurship I promise but we've gone off on a slight mm. tangent I want to follow this well, little I can path. loop it back actually because yeah. um so I I when I started my career in journalism um, mm. in China, so yeah. I had a in financial journalism and business journalism. So I had a really interesting insight into business in a like vastly developing climate. Like it was like it was like how I imagine New York would have been in the 1920s or Paris in the late 1800s. It was like oh, it was like opportunity everywhere and corruption everywhere. And that's what I mean. It's like the two, oftentimes, and this is the sort of the two sides of the the coin, businesses who have grown exponentially, who in the eyes of a capitalist society are extremely successful because what we're valuing is your your profit margins um, and your growth. What uh, often when you look under that and you say, you see like, again, looking at the kind of net impact of that, you see what their impact on the environment has been. I don't know if you guys know this, but the uh, issues that we see with climate change are you can put, I think it's something like the decision makers who made the decisions that created that issue through, which is predominantly through business, governments being very closely in the pocket of business, um, can fit inside a Greyhound bus. Like a tiny amount of people have created a huge impact on the planet. Um, and then you look at their chain of production, like fair fair trade doesn't exist for a lot of these people. You look at what the factories, that the products that we're buying and consuming all the time are made in and and then I look further because I've been working since journalism transitioned into marketing who's responsible for that really marketing like marketing companies they're the ones who the business goes to and says I want to sell this product and then this whole idea of really it's never the product you're selling it's the product's product's product and the marketing agency then concocts this whole story which becomes uh, like a global or a, a societal identity and manipulates people into believing that they there's something wrong with them and they need this product and we've seen it happen in so many different instances across so many different industries. And when you really start to peel back the layers, not only do these people not need all of this stuff and the the, the impact of, of this consumer-driven culture that we have is huge, huge, way, way beyond climate change, it also profits massively a very small percentage of people and as those people are profiting massively so the disparity between the rich and the poor grows so I mean it's not an economic lesson but it is for me that was always something that was playing at the back of my mind when I was working in a marketing agency working for massive businesses and I've worked for some of the biggest businesses in the world um, who the general public love and think are incredible but actually working in them you realize that the seedy underbelly of those businesses and I just felt so lacking in purpose. Like to the outside world, I had everything that you could see as being successful. Inside, I was rotten and rotting. And my behavior behind closed doors was really a reflection of that. 
And I didn't like myself. I was punishing myself in loads of different areas, which we'll talk about more. But my point is really that, yes, success can look like to the outside world, money and having your own house and like being able to go on these amazing holidays and being able to consume more crap that you don't need. But for me, I realized that all that was doing was corrupting my soul. <laughs> and, and I was even worse than that. I wasn't just complicit in the consumption of it. I was creating the consumption of it because I work in marketing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I, there's a few things there for me, which I'd like to just tap into. First question is you said people are manipulating, marketers are manipulating people. Do you think that's intentional? Yes. Do you? Yes. Interesting. I don't, um, I'm not sure I agree. So I'd love to hear your, your perspective on it. I don't think that this applies to every marketer. Um, I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to use the example of alcohol and cigarettes, actually, because the two things are, are parallel, and I'm quite passionate about this as someone who's gone through, uh, you know, issues with addiction. So alcohol's product is ethanol. <laughs> alcohol's product's product is, uh, you know, a sweet drink that has lots of different additives in it to make the ethanol not taste like ethanol. And alcohol's product's product's product <laughs> is a fun time had with family. And back in like the 50s, women weren't really drinking. And the same thing applied to cigarettes, actually. They used the same tactics. They realized that women weren't drinking. It wasn't seen as, or smoking, it wasn't seen as like uh, uh, the, the thing that a woman of class would possibly do. <laughs> um, so the advertising and marketing industries infiltrated the popular culture across all medias and suddenly there was these you know starlets very sophisticated women smoking in films drinking martinis in films every single place that you look and for me coming out of, of issues with alcohol it's really become even more pertinent everywhere you look you see messages that alcohol is really fun drinking is the way to have connection drinking is the, what you do when you're celebrating and that has only become part of our shared consciousness and our belief system because of marketing and advertising. Smoking's even more insane because smoking is literally just death. In a, and I started smoking when I was 13. So if anyone's listening to this and going like, stop being judgmental, I'm, I'm talking from, from someone who's really, who's really gone there with cigarettes. It's disgusting. Yet it was created as this whole like... Oh, it's so elegant. And before that point, that did not exist. In society, people thought that smoking was, for women particularly, was a disgusting, disgraceful thing to do. So that's what I mean. Absolutely, the marketing and advertising industries deliberately created a global shift in beliefs around the product that they were trying to sell. Okay. And and it killed lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... It's, I, I, it's an in, it's a really interesting point. You know, I've got a background in marketing. I've I've worked in digital marketing and done lots of marketing strategies for for big companies and stuff like that. And and I guess just to make a point from my perspective, I don't disagree, but I question like when the when the cigarette company came to the agency, the agency were like, we're going to serve our customer. It's not really my responsibility to decide whether or not this is appropriate or not. And particularly back in the day when they knew 
they didn't know that smoking had the impact that it did on our health, but it's that conscious, and this is what I, linking back to what you do, and this is, I think this is going to link into my point quite nicely, is that, is that you're standing up and saying, no, like, we are responsible as marketers and advertisers to 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 be responsible about how we uh, how we market products products to people, and because you can see that if you look at any kind of like marketing one hundred and one or how do you promote a new product or service, it's like what problem are you solving and what value are you creating? So it's you know that whole classic thing of sell me the pen. You're not selling a pen; you're selling the ability to communicate mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's it's really insidious and it's and it's really kind of like not obvious. But your point is very very clear, and I think from what you I know of you is that is that your business has this purpose it's really clear purpose that actually we see what's going on in marketing and we call it out and we challenge it and mm-hmm. we do it differently and that for me feels like that's what gets you out of bed every morning for sure and and I want to be clear as well that I'm not making anyone wrong um, if you're listening to this and you work in an advertising agency, and I've got some very good, good friends who this applies to that works for the alcohol and tobacco industries, I'm not making you wrong at all. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people who don't think about things this way, and I'm not saying that I'm right. This is just my belief. This is my why. And I think that's a really key point is that we all have a why. It could be, and it could be, this is the beauty of life. It's, it can be vastly different. I just strongly, strongly believe that businesses are the the problem and have caused the issue that we have in so many facets of the world. And if they're the problem, then they must also be the solution. And so for me, my drive through my business, which you're very right, has been very challenging to to build and remains challenging to run, um, is to to help grow businesses who are trying to challenge these these long held ideas and using marketing as a tool to take game changing ideas and concepts to people to in to lift people up rather than tell someone there's something wrong with you and here's a product that's going to help it's to say you're whole already and here's a product you might like. And this is a really interesting thing because there's a there's a brand that does this really, really well. It's um, a razor brand, brand called Billy. And they, in all of their marketing, pretty much all of their marketing, they use people of all, all kind of gender, gender across the spectrum with loads and loads of hair. And we're like, well, you're a razor company. Why are you telling people to have hairy armpits? But that's exactly their message, which is like, you're amazing. You don't need to shave your armpits if you don't want to. But if you do want to, here's the best mm. razor. And I love that. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Or, you know, and, and that is a quite, quite a surprising concept. It's not what you're taught when it comes to advertising and marketing at any stage of your development. I mean, I've got a book at home um, called Predatory Thinking, which is, which is uh, sort of prescribed to advertising students in the US when they're doing their, their training. And uh, it's all about how you basically, the predator is the consumer. <laughs> and it's about how you catch, how you catch the predator. How do you keep, like, no, you're the predator, sorry, and the consumer is <laughs> the prey. How do you catch the prey? How do you ensnare them and keep them yeah. giving you their money? Ah, oh, the best way to do that is to make them feel less than because then you're providing the solution and, you know, that never ends. 
And I'm saying the future is not that. It's the opposite of that. And, I, and I'm really excited that so many businesses are, are kind of cottoning on to that. And so, so many consumers, because we've spoke before about profit being important, so many consumers or customers, I think is a nicer way to put it, um, are also cottoning on to that. And it's something like, something like 75% of customers now expect businesses to have a purpose beyond profit and want businesses to be walking that walking the walk, not just talking the talk, and will switch brands to a brand that has a cause that, that affiliates with a cause they believe in. So that that's a business, that's a business, um, that's, you know, a reason why businesses might want to not be dicks. D- dicks. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a really, um, it's a journey that I've been on for myself in the last few months uh, since closing my business and having that point of view. And it's so easy, particularly when the dominant culture is all about success. I wrote a list. Do you want to hear it? Of all the the random lists. I did a talk the other day about failure. Some of the metrics that we traditionally measure success by. How hard and long do you work? How much money does your business or you earn? Are you happy? Um, I can't read my own writing. (laughs) Are you married and happy? Do you have children? Are they successful? (laughs) And a good representation of you. How many friends do you have? How big is your house? Is it in a nice area? How much do you weigh? Not too little and not too much. (laughs) You're like this next one. Do you drink alcohol? Again, not too little (laughs) or not too much. (laughs) What car do you drive? What brand of clothing do you wear? How often do you go on holiday and where do you go? Where do you buy your food to eat and where do you eat out? Like, that's just like off the top of my head, like 30 mm. seconds, like a, three minutes of just like writing down questions. And I've been asking people, like, this is the traditional view of what success is all about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think we both share that agreement that I'm not here in the world to walk around and judge other people. I do sometimes because I'm a human being. I'm not going to lie. But when I catch myself doing that automated kind of judging other people and check in, then it's realizing that we're all doing the best we can can having Mm -hmm. compassion for our fellow Mm -hmm. human being and I really love your message and what you and Alice do and it inspires me because my personal view is like fuck hustle culture fuck this idea of success being all about numbers and all about finance and growth and scale to the point where you are literally destroying yourself your relationships with your family your friends the planet like we do as human beings have a duty to be conscious of this stuff and that's our our view and then where we trip ourselves up is failure is bad you know if you don't make it you're not successful you're not worth something which is the Mm. journey I went through and so it's really important and this is why I love these kind of conversations to sit there and go and it's a lesson for us all to find your why find your passion and business and get behind it because if I guarantee you if you're just starting a business to earn money Unless you're really earning money, it's not going to get you very far. And even when you do, even when you do, uh, for a few years. And I think that I think that you're absolutely spot on. And what really stuck out for me in your list is how uh, how it's like such a murky middle ground that we're supposed to live in. And I always think about this as well when it comes to like things like self love. Like you're not allowed to love yourself. Like that's a like oh they love themselves don't they but you're also not allowed to be like depressed so you've got to live in this murky middle ground 
if you stop drinking, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But if you get too, if you drink too much of an addictive substance to the point that you become addicted to the addictive substance, there's something wrong with you. And equally, work hard, all of these kind of hard, work hard, you know, like blah, 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 hard, I need to, you need to strive harder and all of this hardness. And then if you have a breakdown because your central nervous system cannot cope with that level of unsustainable pressure then that's also you're something wrong with you there failed you're a failure and it's like it's kind of like there is no they're actually in the in the um general consensus of success there is no success to be had because you're always walking a tightrope like where at any point you could be knocked off that tightrope and then you're even more of a failure than at any in any other point because we we as a society that values that hardness we totally discount what we consider to be weakness and if someone exhibits that so said weakness then we we write them out of society entirely so it's almost like you're just constantly you're you're sort of almost on that precipice forever and I've seen it happen like my dad worked for some of the biggest corporations in the world his whole career you get to a certain age and you're no longer viable and he's had to fight with all his experience and all of his incredible skills and talent to stay in the game but he's had to fight for it. And it's like, I've given you my life. But as soon as I get to a certain point, I'm, you know, just because of my age, it's, again, you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle no matter what when you're valuing that level of success. Mm. And it's really hard, isn't it? Because particularly if you are standing up in the world, like how do we now stand up and say what we need to say? Social media, like you... you it's really difficult to get your message out there unless you're using some form of media. And so when you, and what I'm noticing particularly, because I've started to really stand up and speak out about certain things, is this shaming, like, and people have, a, they're entitled to an opinion and they're entitled to, to, to share, in my view, to share that opinion. But it's really, I think it's an important lesson for me has been to find your tribe and hang out with your tribe and be obviously be aware of echo chamber in the sense that you can kind of get caught up in your own sort of story. It's important to listen to other people. But at the same time, for me, it's really important um, because there's lots of people who have different views about how business should be done. There's the hustle culture, all that sort of stuff. And I think, fuck that shit. I don't want to be working 70 hours a week and driving myself into the ground. I'm getting old. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I want to do life more my way. And that's what I saw in your realisation of, you know, where you were and where you are now. Um, and, and I think that leads us very nicely into the conversation we had before, you know, we've had plenty of times, which is around your journey with addiction, alcohol, all that sort of stuff that mm. you said we'd, we'd talk about. Because I think, I don't know, I'll let you tell me what that is all about. I have some views because I've struggled in the past with alcohol and drug uh, issues. I have no shame. I used to have shame of saying it. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore because the people around me that love and care me about me don't give a shit. Like... And I, I get to share my struggle. And you have been extremely vocal and it's extremely empowering and inspiring. So talk to me about what you've seen on your journey with that. Yeah, and I think it's really important to um, to stand up and to speak out about 
the challenges that we've had, especially as business leaders, because it's seen as so unprofessional to do so. And I always think if something's unprofessional and human, it needs to be done even more and even louder Um, because we have to change that stigma. We have to change that stigma. That is the reason why so many people are having breakdowns in secret. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Um, Unprofessional. Let's just talk about that very briefly because I've got a real thought in my side <laughs> yeah. about that fucking word. You know, I got shamed the other day yeah. on LinkedIn for swearing and basically called childish. And I was like, I wanted to turn around and go, fuck you, bitch. I didn't. I was much more diplomatic and I talked about self-expression um, and me being me. But yeah, what what does what does unprofessional or professional uh, mean to you? Because I think it's a really important... I find it really... I pers- Okay, so for me, the only thing I would say is how I... I personally define professional is acting with integrity, being compassionate in all situations uh, with teams, with with clients, with customers, with everyone in life, um, and being authentic. That to me is what professionalism, my definition of it, how I live by it, what I perceive the general consensus of professionalism to be is... Um, you know, very clinical, uh, lacking in any kind of self-expression, fitting into a box, not talking about any challenges that we have, particularly if they pertain to mental health or addiction or, I mean, I would say that they, those two things come hand in hand, um, particularly, uh, or weakness of any kind, perceived weakness of any kind. Um, And I just... Oh, when I think about that, I'm like, no. Um, But what you just said, like sharing your experience of what your dad went through, um, you know, we've both come from professional backgrounds. I've worked in corporate. Me too. Yeah, and I was was on the way on the train here today and I was coming through Haywards Heath Station, which is like commuter town, and I saw these business professionals in their suits walking very fast, like stony-faced, you know, they've got they're on a mission. There's nothing excuse me, there's nothing wrong with that. But for us, that is like the absolute opposite of how I want yeah. to live my life. Yeah. So I see that distinction. And I think it's so for me, when you know tying it back into to, to drugs and alcohol, um, all relate back to mental health. Um and I struggled with my mental health from a really young age. Um, and when I was a teenager, and you're going to have to put a content warning on this. Um, so, uh, But when I was a teenager, I, I tried to kill myself several times. And my first understanding of it's not okay to be myself and explore my challenges in life was when Robin Williams um, killed himself. And at the time, I had a column for the Huffington Post. And I wanted to write about the experience of being suicidal. Um, because I could see in the media that nobody really understood and there was so much stigma and judgment attached to that. And I thought, I have a platform and I, I have something to say. And I didn't do that because I think I was about 24, 25 at the time, quite early on in my career. And my mum, with all the best intentions in the world, told me, don't do that because you could really harm your chances of moving through and moving up in your career. And she had a really good point. And and I think one of the benefits of starting your own business is you no longer have to worry about how employable you are. <laughs> Probably made myself completely unemployable through starting a business. Um, but 
yeah, so that was my first understanding. It's not safe to, to, to talk about your experiences. But when you think about what my motivation for wanting to share that was, was really about broadening the understanding of what it is to be human in a world that is so terrified of the human experience. And especially in the context of business, which is mental because we spend so much of our time working. And so, so therefore, we spend so much of our time in this little box with only a part of ourselves able to come out in that. And that's so damaging for our health. Um, and so for my journey, I kind of had this internalized belief that there was something wrong with me, that I was unlovable, that I, you know, that I never, I didn't deserve happiness or, or any of these things. And bit by bit, from quite a young age, actually, like alcohol was a, a numbing tool Drugs were a way to fit in. And by the time I quit my job and started the business, I was really in quite a difficult situation with drink and drugs and hiding it really well because I've been taught and can socialise, I think especially maybe as a woman, socialised into how to play the game and how to look a certain way to the outside world, even when everything inside is falling apart. Mm. Yeah, and I think, and first of all, thank you so much for being open and honest um, and sharing your experience because it does take courage and mm. um, and it's incredibly inspiring for you to do that. So thank you. And it's it's such an important conversation for me. When I was in corporate in digital marketing many years ago, I used to go to, to parties and very senior leaders would be in the toilets doing drugs yeah and it still goes on today mm -hmm. and it's something that we don't talk about and we ignore and there are a spectrum of people who have varying levels of degrees of challenges with addiction so I'm not here to comment on that at all but what I am here to talk about and which I think is really important is the that that vulnerability and that what it takes, the courage and vulnerability it takes for someone to finally admit that it's not working for them anymore or they've got a problem, whatever that looks like for you. Because I've been on a journey for many years on this in this on the same, you know, same thing. But actually our stories have turned out differently and our experiences have turned out differently. And I think it's really important for people to realize that, you know, everyone's experience is different, but it's and that's why I say when it's not working for you. And I think, talk to me about when you realised it wasn't working for you anymore. I mean, I think it it was one of those situations. It was the year that I started The Joyful and met Alice was also the year that I broke up from a really toxic relationship. Um, I had to sell my house. I... Um, had to reevaluate my relationship with myself because I had stayed in a situation that was very unhealthy um, for a really, really long time. And it was like, okay, I, I, there's, there's no, there's nothing to be found in blaming anyone else. Like, what is it about myself that has kept me in this situation, perpetuating the situation and being responsible? So I think it was, it kind of took everything falling to shit for me, like the ultimate failure of everything sort of falling around to go, oh crap, like none of this is working for me and it hasn't been for a really long time. I've just been going through the motions and ignoring it. Um, and one of the key things within that was like how 
out of integrity I was in the way that I was managing my job. And to the outside world, I looked like I had everything that you could want. I got very quickly got myself to the top of the company and I had a lot of freedom within that and a lot of respect within that, but I just didn't have any purpose. And so I started to take the piss more and more and more. And, and that's really not who I am. And I didn't take any pride in that kind of behavior. And it, it was just all sort of a serendipitous shit show collision of events that led me to go, oh, I'm really unhappy and I need to do something about that. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And it's, it's, it, it, yeah, was it was it a breaking point? Was it like a, a sudden, sudden kind of like right enough boom or was it more, you know, did it take a bit more time to get to where you are now? Uh, well, so that was just the beginning. So I, I met Alice um, and very quickly we decided that we were just going to start a business. And and the kind of, the, 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 the shit show, uh, the aforementioned show of shit was um, just the catalyst for that. But starting a business wasn't the solution because the, the annoying thing about life is that if there's an issue and you're the one in the issue all the time. You're going to take the issue with you <laughs> wherever <laughs> you go. And it's really annoying being the common denominator for all the crap that happens in one's own life. Um, so that's exactly what I did. Um, I started the business with Alice. She had so much belief in me, so much love. Like she used to describe it like she could see the light in me, but it was like a, a blanket was over the light. But she could see it. And that was a really... In hindsight, really beautiful. It's just at the time I didn't know, I didn't know how to let myself be loved. I'd never in my life let myself be loved. So I was always pushing that away and always looking for ways to sabotage that. It's, oh, it's making me a bit emotional thinking about it. But um, but like sabotaging that and like a big part of that was carrying on with the same behaviours that weren't working before. But this time it was like in a partnership and it was someone else was really going to be impacted by that and I was lying quite a lot about my behavior and I remember one time this woman that Alice had worked with before who really believed in her um, and if you meet if anyone who's listening knows Alice like she's just one of those people that you just know is just going to be incredible at whatever they do and this woman had obviously seen that in her and wanted to invest in the business and the growth and our vision and then she met me and at the time I was I think we went for a meeting with her and I'd been up all night the night before taking drugs and thinking, like, oh, I've done this hundreds of times. I can I can wing it. Yeah. But clearly this woman was just like, uh, <laughs> what? And actually said to Alice, like, you, I, I believe in you, but I'm not going to risk going into any kind of a business situation with Sophie. And that was like a real sobering moment of just like, Oh my gosh. And, and and Alice's response was, well, Sophie's a year behind me in, I'm a year younger, but also she'd start, she'd gone freelance a year before. She was like, she's just, you know, she's just a bit more behind and like really in my corner, like when I just don't really think I deserved that. But it was very powerful to have that experience. And, um, and you know, and I'm really glad for all of it. Like it's been a, a journey. My kind of journey with sobriety has been a long not linear road and you know I mean in a good place with it right now but I also know that that's not something to take for granted but one thing I would say in that is that 
running a business was like the most impactful self-development program that I could ever have done. And I don't know if I was ready for it, but I definitely embraced it. Mm, yeah, I can I can really relate to what a lot of you've what a, a lot of what you shared. And it's, you know, we we are neurodiverse people, right? Mm. Um and if 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 oh there was Biff he's having a little (laughs) cough up down there you might not actually the funny thing is you might not actually be able to hear that on recording (laughs) so we're like oh Biff's going off (laughs) (laughs) he's making very dodgy noises Um, yes so we are neurodiverse people and we have our own challenges you know I was diagnosed with ADHD last year Um, I'm not going to go into a massive load of detail about that but I think the point I'm trying to highlight is that a lot of the people I know in my life are neurodiverse. We tend to band together because we live in a neurotypical world, which isn't designed for us. And I was shamed and not looked after growing up had I really wish I was diagnosed as a kid because I think my life would have turned out differently. And one of the biggest... um, uh, one of the biggest things that happens with a lot of people with ADHD, and I have to stress this point, not all, so don't mm-hmm. assume, <laughs> but there's a link There's a link between addiction issues and being neurodiverse and having ADHD. And I know that was very true for my, myself because mm. my brain is a dopamine hunter and it loves to search out dopamine because it's not very good at producing it. So where does it go and find it? Well, we've all got our own versions of dopamine, whether it's drink, drugs, sex, alcohol, shopping, gambling, whatever you want to mm. pick, and we all have our own flavour. But what I... What I'm really passionate about and and I stand by is that if you're a business owner and you don't give a shit about your staff, fucking stop running a business. Mm. I'm going to be that blunt. Like, I'm sick and tired of business owners running around like they're the fucking mutts nuts, right? <laughs> Going, oh, yeah, start running a business. Typically, oh, I was going to say, typically men tend to be men, but I don't know. I need to go and check my facts on that one. Um, I'm going to agree. <laughs> Anecdotally, <laughs> I would say... But let's not shame one entire gender. Um, let's shame everyone. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm not I'm not trying to shame. I'm being a bit facetious about how I talk about that. But I'm really passionate about that. And that is what was very important to me as a business owner, as a gay, cisgendered, neurodiverse business owner. I have a really compassionate understanding for what it's like not to be like normal in the Mm. sense of what people see and so it's really important for me that businesses own businesses support their um their employees and not shame them and make them wrong for being different Mm. and if you don't support your employees fully then in my opinion that is shaming and not and making them wrong and it's in my opinion the duty of business owners to understand and not edu- not expect their employees to educate them. You know, and I know there's a lot of like terms and different things out there, but it's really important that business owners at every stage at least has some understanding of this. Oh, a mini rant then. No, I agree with you though. And I think, um, and actually yesterday we were recording for the Joyfuls podcast and we were talking to some experts in inclusive workplace cultures um and that that for me is like the very first thing 
to focus on when you're building a successful business is creating a space where all people are welcome to bring all of themselves and uh, creating a space where people can flourish, especially because we work in the creative industries. Like there is a huge problem with mental health in the creative industries, a huge problem because people are expected to be uh, you know, in a box and creative on demand all the time and businesses treat them like a commodity that they can just extrapolate every single last drop of creative juice from and not like uh, an individual who is oftentimes creative because of a whole load of wackiness that's going on and, and differentness that's going on, which I would say we probably all are. We're all on a spectrum somewhere. Um and and it's just so important to to provide a safe space for people to be who they are mm. at the very least yeah and and that's and that's exactly i think that is the problem in my view i love saying in my view in my opinion just in case someone goes meh, 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 you're wrong like in my opinion this is the problem what you just said about extracting as much as possible from from your workers is all about capitalism and success and making money and being profitable mm. which i get like businesses have to make money businesses have to be profitable but there's a question mark over and we're seeing it in the western world and in the uk i can only really speak for the uk because that's I, you know, I live here and that's where I spend most of my attention reading the news. But we're seeing that shift. There's a lot of companies doing great things about valuing their employees for their who they are as individuals, um, you know, and giving them, as you say, a safe space. Mm. So... Mm. And I just want to add to that the importance, again, of, of when we look at net positive impact, because... Uh, it's not enough to just do that with our employees. We need to understand how our behaviour is um, prohibiting every individual across the whole supply chain. And it is so important to understand what the individual's life is like for any any point of your supply chain, especially if you work in product, if you work in selling a product, because, yeah, your employees might be happy and self-expressed, but if you're getting your product from a factory in Bangladesh where they're paid $2 a week and they're in horrific conditions with no one listening or supporting them, then, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's really important to think about the whole the whole chain. And, and I guess it comes down to a humanitarian approach to business. And actually, that then does away with this whole ridiculous idea of um, like sterile professionalism, which isn't human in the slightest because humans are messy and complicated. And like I said at the beginning, the only species that's engineering its own like demise, such a complicated species. And we're trying to put everyone into boxes at a time where things are so so much more complicated than they've ever been. Like, really, I think the first step in for every single business leader is to think, how can I create a system that is human first? And I think you'd be amazed by how much more profitable you will be when you look at humans first, not numbers on a spreadsheet, not how can I get more clicks? How can I you know, get more sick? Like all of these reductionist terminologies that we talk about reducing humans to just numbers if we think about each human being at every stage of our business I think we'd be amazed by how that energy creates growth mm, yeah and there's lots of there's lots of statistics to back that up mm -hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now um 
So I've got some so I want some specific questions for you. But first of all, no, let's start there. So talk to me. What is what is failure to you? Like, yeah, what is failure to you? A essential part of innovation and growth. Love it. And how many how many times do you fail a day or a week? Do you reckon? Uh, all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I mean, just today I failed just putting on my eye, my makeup. Um, <laughs> I failed to get off the train. <laughs> <laughs> I failed to sit still this whole time. Um, yeah, no, I fail all the time. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And um, do you have a, I always ask, or I'm trying, I say I'm trying, I sometimes forget um, to ask you one piece of business advice or a quote that's out there in the world that you absolutely hate and why? Oh, hate. Or maybe hate, something you disagree with, whatever choice of words oh, you want to. Do you know what? So I was talking about this yesterday. I have had, and then it was on my wall for a really long time, and then it was on my stepson's wall for a really long time, and now I've realised I absolutely hate it, was this quote that says, "Be uh, work hard and be kind and amazing things will happen. And I'm like, why do we, oh, why are we so obsessed with working hard? Yeah. Be kind. That's it. I yeah. love that. I love that. But yeah. why do we have to muddy that with the work hard, be better, yeah. and then amazing things will happen? And so that anything with the word hard in it that I myself have strived for my whole life, not just my career, my whole life, to be the best, I don't like any of that. Life isn't supposed to be hard. No, I completely agree. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for being an inspiration to me every day. Thank you. Um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You've 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 made me think a lot. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. This has been How Not to Run a Business with your host, me, Jeremy Jacobs. If you like this conversation and you want to hear more, then make sure you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And whilst you're there, if you want to leave me a review, I would really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with me online, you can do so on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And my profile name is Jeremy Jacobs UK. Or you can check out my website, which is jeremyjacobs.co.uk. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep on trying, keep on failing, keep on succeeding. <laughs>